Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Start it up. What is this? That's right. Buddy. Start it up for Thursday, baby. Let's go. The Fake Friday. <laughs> No longer a hump day on the other side of the hump. Oh, what is up, everybody? Welcome to the DMVR Nuggets Podcast. <laughs> uh, presented as always. Look at that graphic right there made by super producer Kale. The, you know, the beauty, it is a very good job by Kale, but I will say the beauty really comes from Serbia itself. I can't wait to see it with my own two human eyes, Adam. Eight days away, as it says right there. Seven days, we hop on a plane, and we will be traveling for a full day. One full day will be us traveling. Do you have a travel plan here? What's, I do. What's your strategy? I do. That's a, Boya asked us, it's by a the way. You want to get into it now? Yeah, we'll just get right into it. I bring a lot. I I get some good hang- <laughs> I get good hanging in on planes. I really do. You I, get good what? Hanging in. What's I hang that? Out. I hang out. I bring movies. I bring shows. You I need bring, to sleep on this plane. I'm telling you I right now. I bring books. I bring, uh, yeah, I'll probably bring two books, download a couple movies, download some Better Call Saul. What movies are you going for? Like plane crash movies? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Air Force One? Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Uh, no, I don't know yet, but I'll read two books. Con and I'll Air. Play, I'll play. Can I make a list Crusader of plane crash Kings movies for you? I'll watch Con Air. Con Air's a great movie, It's man. a great movie. What yeah, did you, you think of Aaron Rodgers showing up to camp wearing? He is cosplaying as a method actor preparing to play Aaron Rodgers. He's at the fielder and method, would you say? The fielder school of like acting? Deep, he doesn't know anymore. <laughs> I love it, man. Can I tell you something? Yeah. I love it. I'm all in. When he showed up as Poe from Con Air, I'm like, Perfect. Absolutely perfect. Ten out of ten. Totally redeemed himself in my eyes. I'm easy. I'm an easy sell. <laughs> what teammates think of him. Who cares? <laughs> He's good. Right? He's good. All quarterbacks are weird, man. They quarterbacks are. have really turned weird. They are. Let's ride. Um, if you could dress up, I guess you do already do this. You already cosplay every day as you, someone cooler than myself. And it's Miles Teller from from uh, Maverick. That's right. Is it Maverick or is it Top Gun Maverick? Top, top Gun Maverick. Top Gun. Top Gun Maverick. Right. Yeah. Rooster. <laughs> is Tom Cruise cool in that movie? Do you? In that movie, the yeah. second one. Not cool. I mean, he's Tom Cruise. Like, he's what he needs to be in the movie. But that movie is about the youngins to me. See, Tom Cruise is the only guy who has pulled this off where, like, every franchise from, like, the 80s or whatever, have we talked about this? Every franchise, it's like they hand it off. Mm-hmm. And he's the one that's like, no, I'm still the star. No, you guys no. can all back me up, but yeah. I'm I'm 70. I'm still. still. Like, the plot of the movie is usually like, I'm too old. It's your turn, youngin. And he's like, you guys stay back. I got this. <laughs> that's just, he wrote his life. 
<laughs> he just wrote his life. <laughs> he was supposed to hand the, the reins over like 30 years ago. Oh, 100%. Interview with a Vampire was him and, and uh, uh, Brad Pitt. And it yeah. was kind of like the new guy. And he came in and was like, no, it's, no I'm going to out-act him in this movie. We all, know, we all know that the way we lose Tom Cruise is Mission Impossible 14. <laughs> you think so? Yeah, that's how he's going out. I don't know. I think he gets it. I think he gets it. I think we've all overthought the formula. And he's like, guys, airplanes. Fast cars. Oh, it worked for me. <laughs> of course it didn't. It changed your personality. Yeah, it changed my life. Anyway, I'm all for Aaron Rodgers. If Jokic showed up as somebody to training camp this year, full costume, who I, would you want it to be? I simply cannot see it. Ivan Drago? Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> who is, who, Timothy Mozgov in the in the. Who's most shirts. likely to show up as a character? <laughs> That's a good question. You know who actually has sneaky good odds on this list, who I would be buying their odds? Aaron Gordon. Yeah, I agree. If Aaron Gordon showed up in like a he, full cosplay of Poe, maybe oh, same thing. Dude, he could pull it off. He should show up with a silver surfboard. <laughs> he, nobody likes this. 25 people like Yeah, it. nobody likes it. Well, nobody likes it. Um, guys, we have a great show for you today. Tony Jones is going to be joining us for a little bit. Enemy number one in Denver over the last Ooh, couple days. Good timing, boss. Um, we actually booked him last week, and I'm excited for it because it gives us another thing. He, of course, you know, a small back and forth with me. I a lot of people in the mentions trying to include themselves in the conversation you know about how he views michael porter as a shooter in particular we'll talk about that but mostly what i really want to have him on the show for is talk about the utah jazz what's going on what's going on in utah right now very strange very strange so i'm excited to uh kind of get uh his perspective on that and you know he's plugged into that organization so we'll we'll kind of get the lowdown on that and then we'll answer a couple mailbag questions at the end um that were left over from the other day We'll get into that. Maybe talk about side piece teams a little bit um, if we have some time. First, I want to stop with our, our top story today. Whoa. Kale, pull up the tweet from none other than our our own DNVR Nuggets via Harrison Wind. wind Harrison Wind, a wind chime yesterday, says, Source, Jeff Green organized a voluntary Nuggets minicamp in Miami this week that was attended by Davon Reed, Zeke Naji, and rookies Christian Brown, Peyton Watson, and Jack White. Others wanted to attend but had scheduling conflicts. And then Wynn had a follow-up tweet I thought was great. He says, I'll have more on this minicamp soon. I love that. Classic. Uh, just classic win. Just classic win. But think of it as the unofficial start of Denver's preseason. Nuggets players who live outside of Denver during the summer will begin to filter back to town next week for workouts. Now, training camp, I don't know if it has been announced yet publicly, so I'm not sure if I can say it. It'll be end of September, though. It'll be end okay. of September. So there's like an official, you know, everybody gets back. Jokic, of course, is going to be playing basketball into mid to mid to late September, he'll probably get a little mini vacation in, you know, or a little time with the family, whatever that is. His vacation is probably just going back to Sambor. And then he'll be, he'll be over here. I'm guessing he'll be one of the last people to arrive. That's just my hunch. But usually in the month leading up to training camp, there's little pockets of mini workouts where guys will get together. And this is the first one of those. And I think it's cool. Davon Reed, Zeke Naji, second and third year players. But really, this is make or break years for them. Right. Christian Brown, Peyton Watson, Jack White. And then I love this. Jeff Green assembled it. What do you make of this? Well, first of all, Mr. Green picking up some unexpected Mr. Nugget points. Can you believe it? In the offseason. Wow. Is it too late for him to make a push for Mr. Nugget? Oh, no way. No way. He recruited DeAndre Jordan. Okay, that's a negative right, one here. Yeah, that's he recruited Bruce Brown. Okay, plus 25. And then he put together a mini camp for the rookies. That's That's got to be 50 points. You love it. Love that the young guys showed up. There was a point in the season last year where Jeff Green kind of switched from feeling his way out to really being a Denver guy and, and, and I think standing with his guys through the media and yeah. really ingratiating himself with the fan base. 
I don't know, man, maybe a dark horse contender. He's he's certainly not at the top of the list, but you pick up points for this kind of move. That's all I'm saying. He's not, almost certainly not going to be Mr. Nugget, but it no. is a great Mr. Nugget-esque move. It's a move. Davon Reed was there. Maybe he helped assemble this. We don't know. He mm. maybe has more Mr. Nugget points build up. We'll find out. I just think it's cool, though, and it's great that you got the rookies together. It's great that you're starting this process now, um, and I just think it's a cool thing to see from Jeff Green. It's funny. When Jeff arrived here, you there's players you think of as long-term. Like We all think Bones Highland years here in Denver. Jeff Green, you're kind of like, all right, he's on that two-year deal, so like one for sure, and then maybe he gets traded, right. or maybe he plays a second year, and then he's gone. Like You never think of him long-term. You, Jeff Green has been a rolling stone. He's gathered no moss. He's been to different teams every single year. It would be kind of interesting if he ended up settling in Denver, if he's just oh, like, yeah. you know what? I love it here, man. This is chill. That's a really good point, point. and I think, look, got to remember, one of the reasons he cited for essentially choosing someplace other than, uh, other than Brooklyn was... The chaos factor, just like not wanting to be around a circus, right. essentially. And in Denver, he sort of gets both in a real star, a real contender, and no one's really looking or paying attention or talking about you every day. I imagine that suits Jeff just fine. I imagine it suits him pretty well as well. Um, Jeff Green, like another guy, I hope we get to know a little bit more of his personality this season because I feel like we didn't get to know it. Like you hear sometimes from teammates and stuff. Love Jeff Green. You're kind of like, really? Yeah. It's interesting. We got, I want to hear a little bit more about that. Um, and I expect more and more of those. Bones Highland absent at it. Uh, you know, he's got he's some on a stuff worldwide going. He's tour on a world right tour. Now, yeah. He's on a world tour, but I imagine we'll start to see him more yeah. and more around the team, and that should be great. Um, our other story today here, and I actually have some thoughts on this. There's two things I kind of want to bring up here. Number one, Carmelo Anthony's been doing this for 10 years, and we talk about it every time it happens. I don't remember what the name of the podcast that he was on the other day. It was one of the high-profile podcasts. And he comes out and he says, you know, contrary to what everyone believes, I never wanted to leave Denver. I never told people that, but I wanted that I wanted to leave Denver. But it it's just, like they put my back against the wall. It just happened on its own. Adam. It just happened on its own. Well, and then he goes and he's told this story before. He's given this perspective before. And I think there's something to it. Like, he tells the story of the team after, you know, 2009 happens. Uh, and they come up short. 2010 happens, disaster, you know, disaster season because of the cancers with, with George and Nene, and, and it doesn't happen. By two, the next year, you're starting to get into this like, hey, I don't, this team, maybe we need to rebuild. You got some players that are a little bit more long in the tooth. Maybe our window has passed and it's time to retool. And according to Carmelo, his perspective on this was the team was telling him that. And he's like, I'm not here for a rebuild. I'm in my prime. I want to go now. Um, We'll get into some of the validity of this. I mean, the number one thing is just like he went to a team that was worse than the Nuggets. So I don't, that's where he loses the credibility. Of like, oh, if you really, you really just wanted to contend, why did you join Landry Fields, you know, in New York? He could have waited one year and joined right. Wilson Chandler and, and uh, uh, Danilo Gallinari and had a good team at his back, but no, he wanted out. So I don't, on its value, I don't buy it. But here's the thing. When I, so when I first saw this, one, we've seen it enough times, I had a mixture of being like, rolling my eyes which i think was like 70 percent of me where i'm just kind of like oh god Melo's telling the story again and then a little bit of laughing like a weird mix of like oh my god like you know kind of just laughing about it but then i realized and i think people watching this maybe are saying the same thing i was like i don't actually care i don't actually care anymore like i don't even care about the truth of the story you know what i mean like right it could be that he has some perspective here that it is important i i just i no longer care and it's so far and it, it we're so far removed from it that emotionally 
I feel nothing towards Mello in that way. Like I don't That's feel any it, negative man. feelings about him. Maybe if there were some more groundwork laid over the years of of maintaining his personal connection to the fan base in the city. You can it, you though? After being, I don't know, but this does sort of feel like now it, it, it's like, look, he's towards the end of his career. He gets asked often where his jersey is going to be retired. Now Denver's really important to him again, and it just sort of feels like, look, if if you're, I think most fans are feeling the way you do which is that they're over it. I got here after Melo means nothing to me, but <laughs> I do think people, it's been so long and there's been multiple iterations of the Nuggets and the Knicks since. And I just think at a certain point you make decisions in this life and, and there are consequences. And this is my, my point was more like even just, you know, we st- we boo. If you think about the last few times he's been booed and it's been high profile. One was in the playoffs. Like, come on, give us a break. It's a Boo playoff the game against the, the yeah. division rival, and then against the Lakers, the most hated team in all of Denver. So he's been on two teams where you would boo him, even if his name wasn't Carmelo Anthony, just a guy. Like you're gonna boo the opponent, and then the fact that you have this history. But the question is, if like Melo does sign this year with the Orlando Magic. I don't think he, I don't even know if he'll be booed. It'll just be like, I don't think anybody right. cares. Like, right. like, like in that way. But at the same time, there is this place where you ask me like all time favorite nuggets. I think Melo's still there, mm. but like guys that like I have an emotional connection to, I don't. And that is what I think Melo is getting at. And that's why he keeps telling the story. In my opinion, I'm psychoanalyzing him. He's feeling somewhat estranged from Denver where now that his career has played out, he feels at least an equal amount of connection to. Like right. He feels I'm a Nick right. and I'm a Nugget, sure. but I don't have the home there. And that's the cost. That's what you were getting at is this player empowerment era that's coming full circle and KD's at the front of it now as he's demanding yet another trade is that the more distance you get from it, the more you don't have a home. And I wonder if KD is ever going to go back to the Bay to thunderous applause or how frequently. And if t- 10 years from now, he's going to be like, I won two titles in the Bay, but I can't really go there. Right. I'm not like heralded when I show up at the game and everyone's like, oh, our favorite guy. They're kind of like, oh, that Steph's sidekick that we tolerated for a while. Yeah, they don't really claim him. And even LeBron has pushed this to its limits with Cleveland. No doubt he about can it. Never, he, I don't think he can ever really sever that connection because of what he did both since. But... I think even I think a lot of people outside of Akron might think twice about how they feel about him now. There's no it, question that it, it's just different. That it's kind of a right. little bit less of a like in terms of saying that's ours. That's I'll our take guy. a bullet for you, kind yeah, of guy. Yeah, yeah, right. Whereas, look, and if Jokic does this whole career in Denver, even if he never wins, people are going to feel that way. It hits a little bit different. And this is my point: is that when we talked about player empowerment and team, people make, moving teams, we've talked about the immediate reaction from from the Cavaliers fans to LeBron, the immediate this or that. And then there was a healing period. Then he came back and this or that. But I think the one thing we're seeing now that we are 12 years effectively into this thing, we're starting to see that there's actually this 12-year cycle to this too that's kind of like a player gets to retirement and is looking back on their life, a la the movie Wild Strawberries, if you don't, if you guys don't know, very, one of the, one of the great, greats of cinema, Igmar Bergman, a fantastic, absolute classic, where he's going back to his old stomping browns and yet there's not this moment of like exaltation. Right. And right. I'll bring up another person here, and it's a friend of the show, former co-host of mine and George Carl. George Carl took to Twitter, as he's been known to do, and said something about you know Jamal Murray not in the same category. A fair take to have. He was me and compare. I think because we did the show and then like Swipe put out a graphic about you know Shea Gilders Alexander this or that. Like you know formed a little bit of a conversation. And George Carl, 
you know, goes in and says, no, he's not on any of those guys' level. <laughs> like, he's actually below Booker and Shea and Mitchell and all of the other guys that he were, that were listed, even John Morant, that were listed. He's below all of those guys. And then somebody said, like, he's done more in the playoffs than anybody else. And George says, like, only real basketball knowers know that the bubble is not real. The bubble does not count. Now, I want to just clap back on this on one, on one way. The Nuggets were within... 30 seconds of being in the conference finals the year before the bubble in a regular environment. Like this idea that the Nuggets have never done anything except for in the bubble. Again, what is it? Not true. They went to game seven of the conference finals and came up short at the age of what? 22 and 24. I think Murray 22, Jokic 24, Michael Porter not even in the equation at this point. And they go all the way to the conference finals to game seven and are tied with like two minutes to go within one possession with 30 seconds to go. So there's, there's that. On top of that, like this idea of the bubble not being real, I just push back on competition is competition. I know, I know George well enough. I know that he knows competition. It was the same for the Clippers as it was for the Nuggets. It was the same for the Jazz as it was for the Nuggets. Was it different? Absolutely. But to discount it, in my opinion, is just such a grossly unfair thing. And And part of me... I don't know how earnest George is being in these in these comments. I do think that George thinks the bubble is like an abnormality, and there's there's reason to think that. But to discount the Nuggets and say they actually haven't proven anything, and Jamal Murray hasn't proven anything in his career because his best games came here, to me that's disingenuous, and it brings me to another thing. Mello and George both, in my opinion, are estranged from the Nuggets. The Nuggets famously have not honored George Carl since he left, even though he's making the Hall of Fame. You know, they they did the tweet, right? But they hasn't been on on stage and, and this or that and there's some reasons for this you know there were um he replaced michael malone in sacramento he replaced michael malone that was a thing that happened uncomfortable scenario you know there between those guys and i remember at the time some people felt like you know was george lobbying for a job that was not vacant at the time or this or that and maybe some some uncomfortableness and that adds to the situation here of course him and josh Kroenke split on you know, he was coach of the year, but yet still isn't retained. It was right. like a, 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 there was a fracture there. This is the thing I'm getting at is that there's something larger sometime at play between Carmelo, George, Kevin Durant, LeBron James, and all of these things. And that is the real connection to the city, not just the organization and the inner politics and the inner workings of this or that, but also the fabric of what you're really connected and tethered to is the people that share this experience with you. And right now, what I think Mello is seeing is that the decisions he made, as right for him as they may have been or to his family or whatever, he's in the right to do it. But there was a real cost that wasn't because of a bitter city, wasn't because of this or that. It's just the nature of, if you ever say, I don't want to be part of this experience again or with all of these people, inevitably that severs that connection. And with George, maybe there is a little bit of bitterness from the organization to him. I think that's definitely true. And maybe from him to the organization. I think that's definitely true. And when you're coming out, it's not just about having a take about, hey, well, the bubble, this or that, but just the active sort of criticism of, hey, like I'm trying to constantly put down, put put this down. There's a clear severance there that I think we're starting to see. And this is what's interesting about Damian Lillard. Mm. He made a conscious decision. You know, I'm going to stay. I'm not going to demand a trade, which he really easily could do. And he could probably end up on a contender. And I honestly believe this about Damian Lillard. 
He is connected to himself to the city of Portland in a way that very few athletes allow themselves to connect to because they want to have this. Like players, they're going to root for you whether you yeah, have Jokic yeah. never talks to anybody in Denver. Like, And we love and we worship this guy. And I think Jokic is going to stay. But Dame has ingrained himself so that if he were to leave Portland, he doesn't feel like he's leaving you know, Neil Olshay or, you know, Paul Allen. He doesn't feel like he's leaving those people. He doesn't even necessarily feel like he's leaving his teammates. He would feel he was leaving the city right. for which he has connected himself to. And I think that's what Mello is now realizing is why are you not brought back? It's not because the organization. It's because you're no longer connected to the city. And George perhaps feeling the exact same thing. It's great stuff, man. We did that playoff series in Portland. It was palpable, the Dame connection. I mean, his face is everywhere. You can feel the love. It's in the air. So there's something to that. Um, Let's take a break. On the other side, we're going to have Tony Jones from The Athletic joining us. I see he just called in, so we'll get to him talking Utah Jazz, Michael Porter, maybe some other things, Western Conference uh, on the next segment. Quiet or not, hardened Sambo or not. We love our big fella and Nuggets fans here. Home for Denver sports coverage. That's us. Is partnering with a leader in sports merchandise and collectibles. That's Foco. And Foco wants you to celebrate the Nuggets back-to-back MVP with this newly released Nikola Jokic MVP bobblehead. Or find your fandom with Foco's other officially licensed Nuggets gear. Check out their gear and merch for other Denver sports teams, including the new Rocky City Connect bobbleheads and much more. Head on over to Foco.com or click the link in the YouTube description for all non-sale pre-sale items. Excuse me, for all non-presale items, use the promo code DNVR for 10% off. DraftKings Sportsbook is America's top-rated sportsbook, and they want you to get in on the hottest sports action for your shot at cold, hard cast. Bet on your favorite sports all summer long and gear up for football season. Right now, new customers can get risk-free up to $1,000. Just make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't hit, you'll get another shot at a big win. Plus, returning users, there's so many ways to play and win. Same game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props. It's endless. It's safe, secure, and reliable. It's DraftKings. Download it now. Use promo code DNVR. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Risk-free bet paid out in the form of non-withdrawable free bet token. Max $1,000. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com. Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-522-4700. I got to make a DraftKings pick of the week, Adam. Did you pick it out beforehand? I did. What do you got? Right now, you can bet on futures in the NBA, including regular season wins. And the Denver Nuggets line at them is 49 and a half. Now, the juice on the over is only minus 140. You're not going to make a fortune here. But here's what you are going to do. Win this bet. The Denver Nuggets are going over. Feel free to take that bet with me. I placed it last night. I'm going to mimic placing it right now for dramatic effect. (laughs) Bam. 49 and a half. As long as Yoke is healthy for 75 games, I feel pretty good about that. I think the Nuggets have hit the over on seven of the last eight years, yeah. so yeah. it's a pretty safe bet. All right, our next guest is covering the Utah Jazz uh, over for The Athletic. That is when he is not busy getting buckets on the hardwood and stirring up all of Nuggets Nation with his hot takes. It is Tony Jones. Tony, thanks for taking some time with me today. You're going to tell the audience how you uh, stood me up at Summer League? <laughs> man, I wanted to play, man. I wanted. I always liked to play. I just couldn't make it happen that that, that specific time. But we'll, we'll, we have listen, to get it going. You, you, were, you were the missing. Listen, we won every game. <laughs> but you were still the missing piece. Yeah. Like, you uh, were still the missing piece. We would have won just by even, by that much more. Tony always stacks his team. He was trying to stack it with me on the squad this time. So we would have we definitely run. a real super team. It, that would have been the real Jamal I, Jokic. The real I Jamal Jokic. I definitely want to push back on that a little bit. Just the fact that whatever team I'm on, 
Whatever team I'm on is going to win the game. So, man, I love this, Tony. This is like, the energy I, I need, man. My guy, ben <laughs> he told me I stacked my team. He was very upset. He was on a team that didn't pass the ball. You could probably you could probably tell him the exact opposite. Say say Ben, whatever team you're on, the other one's gonna feel stacked, man. <laughs> talk, talk a little trash. Absolutely. Um, so I want to get in first. I want to talk about Utah. We'll talk about Denver here in a little bit. Utah's been one of the most interesting teams this summer. Um, in that, I did you know this was coming? That they, I mean, I assume you know there were some rumblings of hey we're probably hitting something of a reset button. Number one, do you feel that that's what this is, that they are looking to rebuild and reset a new era? And two, is this a thing that you kind of saw coming for the last weeks, months, year maybe, before it happened? Um, I was, so if, if this makes sense, I was um, I was both surprised and I both knew it hap- was going to happen. Yeah. Um, I was one of the first, if not the first, to report that, that Rudy Gobert was was right. on the block. Um, um, but I was a bit taken aback by, you know, the Donovan Mitchell turn um, with the organization just because, you know, my sources had indicated that, you know, um, the Jazz just simply weren't interested in trading Mitchell. Mm. And, you know, and, and right now, to be clear, their interest in trading Mitchell is we have a price. Right. Um, the price is significant. If somebody meets that price, we'll trade Donovan. If somebody does not meet that price, we're content. We're fine with going into the season uh, with Mitchell. They don't feel like they have to trade Mitchell. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I was, it, it was, it was both for me. Um, this was a difficult year to cover the jazz. Um, the team imploded. Uh, the locker room kind of imploded, and you know we saw the fruits of all that labor uh, once the season ended. Uh, the Jazz offered Quinn Snyder an extension that would have made him uh, one of the the best paid, po- highest paid coaches in the league, and, and he was like, "Nah, I'm good." <laughs> and then they, then they traded Rudy, and you know, so it's it remains to be seen whether this is a a a, a reset or a full full on rebuild. Uh, if they trade Donovan, I expect them to uh, move swiftly to to try to make their their roster aggressively young. Um, but if they don't trade Donovan, I can see them, uh, you know, trying to be uh, as competitive as possible and and banking on the assets that they have um, through through the Rudy Gobert trade to try to uh, reset that way. Tony, do you have any sense of of how Donovan feels about? the current situation and the possibility of being traded or maybe a rebuild on the horizon? You know, if, if Mitchell were traded to New York and Miami, he would not shed a tear. Mm, yeah. Um, um, but if he were back in, in Utah, um, you know, my feeling is he, he, he tried to Here, here's the thing with Donovan. And this is one of the things, you know, Adam, you know, that we're, we're supposed to be really objective when we cover the assets sure. that we cover. Um, um, but you know, when you get to know these guys, um, you know, you root for some of the characteristics that they have, depending on, you know, how good a guy they are or how not good a guy they are. So, um, one of the things that I love about covering Donovan Mitchell, like I absolutely love about covering Donovan Mitchell is how self-aware he is. Mm. If he goes out and he's, he shoots three for you know, whatever in the fourth quarter and they lose a game by one, 
he's going he's gonna to go in front of us and he's going to say, I have to be better. And then, so the point of that being is, if you ask Donovan Mitchell about last year, the number one thing that he will say to you is, I was not good enough. I have mm-hmm. to be better. Mm-hmm. And oh. that's one of the reasons why he's not asking out because he knows he wasn't good enough in that last year. Um, and I think that if he were with the Jazz, uh, I think that he would do everything in his power to, to, to make sure that he had a great season. So one of the questions I have for you as you're talking, that's interesting and I want to circle back to it too, but one of the, when you were talking there, you talked about it imploded this year. Do you feel like the team was maybe late in identifying that that was a possibility that that was on the horizon or sometimes you just got to let it play out and it's like, all right, it's time to move on now? I don't think anybody on the team or in the front office or connected with the Jazz would realize at the time how big a loss George Yang was. Mm, um, I love this. He, he was the one of the two or three straws that stirred the drink in the locker room. He was, he, he was um, such a chill guy that he was a connector. Yep. Uh, he, he was a guy that was just always positive. He, he was perpetually positive. And I'm going to tell you, this guy's going to play until he's 36 years old just because he's a great locker room guy. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he's he was one of those guys um, that, you know, he just kind of connected every personality in the locker room. And when the Jazz, um, when the Jazz allowed him to walk in free agency last summer, um, they didn't – they underestimated significantly the impact – that he would have on that locker room and it showed itself uh, all through the season. What I love about that take, number one, I'm just such a big believer in how all the pieces matter for championship teams, including, you know, not just the role players and what they do on the court, but those types of things, the, the, the personality of a team matters behind the scenes. And I think guys like us that follow a team, you really pick up on that. You don't pick up on it one day, but you pick up on it over the course of the year of like, hey, this guy keeps things even keel. This guy makes sure everyone's focused or, or whatever it is. And losing that can be big. And it's one thing with the Nuggets this year. There's a lot of turnover. And it's really the first time in the Jokic era that there's been a lot of turnover. And that's one of my big questions I have for them is, did they lose the George Niang? The guy that you thought, well, you can replace his minutes. You can replace this. But you actually don't replace the connection he has to every corner of it. And that's a thing I think we're going to learn about the Nuggets here. Um, Real quickly, last one on the Utah Jazz, though. If I look at this roster, Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, Bogdanovich, Jared Vanderbilt, Walker Kessler, maybe that's your starting lineup. I don't think that's like a playoff top 16 line. The West is just so loaded, but it's also not a basement dweller. And I, that's, that's where the, this version of the team confuses me a little bit and why I, I kind of expect the Donovan Mitchell move just because you were saying it's a retool, not a rebuild or whatever. This almost feels like a rebuild. You're forced into it because you're not going to be a top eight team. Well, I'm not sure I agree with that. And this is why, because, um, you're getting massive salary cap relief at the end of this year if you keep your veterans. Um, the Jazz project to be 40, 36, anywhere between 36 and 40 million under the cap. Okay. Um, next year, at this point next year, okay. if they keep all of the veterans. Um, and secondly, you have three first round picks um, in, in next year's draft. Okay. So that is real flexibility. And it, it allows you to go and say, 
okay, um, let's emulate Portland and let's make a Jeremy Grant trade, uh, a Jeremy Grant type of trade for a significant guy. Um, then you take your first round picks, right? Uh, and, and what is going to be, you know, one of the best drafts um, that we've seen in a long time. Um, a draft that I, I think that, you know, you can get difference makers all through the first round. Um, you know, people who push back on that will say that those picks project to be in the 20s. Um, and my pushback on that will be that this draft is deep enough that you can have picks in the 20s and it'll, be, it'll just be fine. Um, but it might be, just to, just to interrupt here, if you kind of look at this as a one-year dip. So they might not make the playoffs this year or what have you, but it does set them up to have an immediate rebound next season or maybe even at the deadline if they're in the hunt? Well, potentially. I mean, you know, like you said, like when you have salary cap flexibility, you can move the pieces all over the chessboard. Right, right. Um, and then, you know, when you have, you know, multiple first-round picks, let alone three first-round picks, you could do the same thing. You can move the pieces all over the chessboard. Um, you know, the, the, the thing, now the one valid pushback to what I'm telling you is that, you know, so this hinges on, you know, your star buying into, you know, said right. retail. So, you know, if, if Donovan Mitchell comes to you and says, yo, I'm leaving anyway, which everybody expects, mm. uh, you know, the Jazz still have two years, you know, th their flexibility diminishes by this time next year because gotcha. they have flexibility this year because there are three years remaining on Mitchell's contract. Gotcha. So um, you're not under any urgency to, 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 to move him. But next, this time next year, you know, that flexibility decreases, decreases by a year. You, you now two years left on the contract. And if Mitchell has no plans on coming back, then all of a sudden the value of which you could come back. Because right now I think the Jazz can get anywhere between – the Jazz are trying to get 100 cents on the dollar. Right, right. If, if, you know, if we go into two years, then all of a sudden you're getting 60 to 75 cents on the dollar. And, if, and then if it's an expiring, then you're getting 50, 50 cents on the dollar. So if that. So, you know, I mean, the Jazz have flexibility right now, um, but – there's got to be some urgency and the flexibility that they do have. So last yesterday or two days ago, you know, I saw you, you were pretty skeptical about Michael Porter's shooting um, about whether or not he was elite. Here's what's funny. Twitter is the toughest space for these types of conversations because I realized very quickly, I think we both look at Michael Porter the same way. We just call it something different because your, your pushback on it was he hasn't proven it under pressure. He hasn't proven it in the playoffs and at the highest stages, which I think is accurate. He's had some good playoff moments and hit some big shots. Like I know he has like kind of a game and series winner in game six, but again, it, he wasn't, it wasn't the same level and the frequency that you're talking about when comparing to a clay. So, okay. But I was surprised if you think, and I don't think you were getting at this, but I think if you just look at the two seasons that he has had 42%, 45% on volume, that's where I'm coming from of like, I, you're right that he hasn't proven it as a clutch and at the highest levels and this or that. But if you just put him in an empty gym and have him shoot from different spots on the court, I honestly believe he is one of the best in all of the NBA at doing that specific thing. So however we label it, I don't know. 
is do you, would you agree at least with that, or do you even push back on that idea? If you just had mid range turnarounds on the left side, fifteen footer, spot up dirk shot three from all these different zones, to me, he is in a a pretty rare company in terms of his ability to do that on an empty gym. So shout out to Nuggets fans because I love you. <laughs> um, they didn't shout you back. Sorry, <laughs> they got mad at you. Yeah. Specifically, shout out to my homegirl Ava because that is that's my homegirl. Yeah, she's the best so, friend of the show. She made yes, these these so, things here on the set. I absolutely love her. So shout out to her. Um, um, so to answer your question, here here's what I would say. Um, I think elite is a word that gets thrown around way too much, um, and I think it should be a lot more exclusive a word. Um, and you know as a shooter and, and let me address you know the the percentages so if you just look at the percentages then yeah you know michael porter jr is, is elite but you know this era of basketball this era of the nba you see guys do great things in the regular season all the time um you know bradley bill averaged 29 points a game would you consider him elite an elite score probably not Right, because I don't consider him on the same level as as LeBron James or Kevin Durant when it comes to scoring the basketball. Right, right. So, you know, would I consider Michael Porter Jr. an elite shooter? No, because I don't consider him. Because you know, Kevin Durant and Damian Lillard and Stephen Curry and Clay Thompson, you know, those guys have done it at this level, this higher level for so long. So, I consider Michael Porter Jr. a really good shooter. Um, I think he's a terrific talent. Um, it's funny because, you know, the elite skill that he has, uh, that I don't think anybody can argue that people really overlook is, is the way he rebounds the ball. He yeah. is absolutely, he is absolutely one of the best rebounding small forwards that we have in the game today. Agreed um, there. um, you know, and so, and I'm a Knicks fan. I cried the night when, and I was in the draft room, the jazz draft room, screaming at the big screen while my colleagues were looking at me like I was crazy <laughs> because the Knicks drafted Kevin Knox over Michael Porter Jr. Right, right. So I clearly, I'm clearly a fan of his game. Um, I don't know if he can, if he's ever going to be durable. Um, I think that uh, there are times where he gets too selfish. I think that there are times sure. where he doesn't. I think that there are a lot of times where he doesn't defend. Um, but I also think that as an offensive talent, he is a terrific all-around offensive talent, and he's very worthy of of um, the uh, vitriol uh, that the that Nuggets fans defended him with when they were in my when they were in my space the other night. <laughs> so you know when I'm. I, and analyze somebody, you know, I analyze the good and the bad. And if you're not LeBron James, Nikola Jokic, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Kevin Durant, Stephen Curry, uh, Luka Doncic, you know, you're probably going to have some holes in your game. Right. Um, um, not to say the shooting is a hole in Michael Porter Jr.'s game. It absolutely isn't. I'm just saying that I'm not putting Michael Porter Jr., with 
you know, the elite shooters of the game just yet, just because he hasn't proven it uh, at that level. So, you know, it, it, it's Twitter is probably the wrong place to have that kind of conversation because nuance is, is 100% lost. Right. And so is, and so is context. Right. Um, but at the same time, I am stuck in a hotel in Baltimore, Maryland, and uh, I did have you had time. <laughs> I like it. It's funny, man. Um, I still think we're saying the same things. Like shooting, we are. We are. Like, we like, are. yeah, like Clay Thompson, for example. Part of what makes him a great shooter is he reads the court so well. He knows how to get open shots without. You know, just to get to the spots he's supposed to be. Read the court. Cut here. Spread out here. Flare here. Screen here. It's going to get me open here. And obviously, Michael Porter has very little of that relative. But, um, again, I just – his jumper, I've, I've seen him too many times both both in games and even relative to other great shooters when he just goes through a workout and it's 30 in a row, 25 in a row. Turn around, no matter what angle he's at or where he's at on the court, I just think that shot doesn't even touch the net. Um Unlike, like I only see with guys like Clay Thompson and Steph Curry and very, very few others, you know, just observing what they look like in, in empty gyms. But nonetheless, it doesn't. Empty gym doesn't really matter at things. Let me ask you this last one before you get out. Where are you at with the Nuggets' chances this year? Where where do they factor into you when you look at the Western Conference? How many teams definitively above them, and do they have a shot at coming out of the West? In your opinion. So for the Western Conference, I think that there are there is going to be there is a chance that a team wins fifty games and is in the plan. Mm. Um, I think this Western Conference this year is going to be absolutely brutal. Yeah. Uh, when you look at Golden State, you look at Denver, you look at the Clippers, you look at um, the Mavericks, you look at. Um, um, you look at the Phoenix Suns. Right. Uh, you know, we haven't mentioned Minnesota yet. We haven't mentioned New Orleans yet. I mean, there's going to be a really good team somewhere, somewhere that that is going to be in a real undesirable playoff spot. Um, right. So that being said, I really like the Nuggets. I think they have – they're going to be one of the best offensive teams in basketball. Uh, um you know that's assuming MPJ and, and Jamal Murray uh, have some are blessed with health and and, and durability. Um, I really like the addition of Bruce Brown. I think Bruce is going to really help. Um, that's the wing defender that this team has been missing for uh, a long time. Um, you know, another year of Aaron Gordon. Um, a lot, I think a lot's going to depend on you know. If Bones Highland is is mm. is ready to be uh, at or near the top of of, of a scouting report, because last year he wasn't, and I think that there's a big jump this year, and I think a lot's gonna um, and backup point guard is gonna tell a lot as well, um, yeah. because you know, Monte Mo- losing Monte Morris is gonna hurt because you know he guaranteed he guaranteed you when you know jamal murray is healthy that you have 48 minutes of really 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 good right. power on the floor right uh, so you know that being said i mean you know i think the nuggets are somewhere um somewhere in between three and six i think they're going to have to prove that they can stay healthy i think they're going to have to prove that they can defend uh as five when it really matters um but 
you know, their offensive upside is 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 as high as any teams in the league. Um, and obviously, you know, Nikola Jokic is is going is entering his prime. So, you know, we're looking at, you know, a potentially all time career there. Um, so, you know, I'm high on the Nuggets uh, in the regular season. I think they're going to win a lot of games. Um, their playoff viability is going to be determined uh, with how well they can start defending when it really matters. And one, two in the West, is it Golden State, uh, the Clippers in your mind? Is that who you kind of see as the favorites? Yeah, I probably see see them one, two in the West. I think Phoenix is still going to win a lot of games. Yeah. Uh, you know, who am I spacing on? So I got Golden State, Phoenix. I'm spacing on a, a – Memphis a really, maybe? Memphis, oh, yeah. yes. Yeah, I'm spacing on Memphis. Memphis is going to be – you know, I think Memphis is going to be good. Now, Memphis is interesting because I think they're going to struggle a little bit out of the gates because they're not going to have Jaron Jackson. So I, I agree. Have, yeah, they're not going to have quite the um, – um, and they're not going to sneak up on anybody like they did last right. year. Right. Uh, so, you know, um, I, I hope Ja gets his gritty out because, you know, <laughs> he, a hunter last year to be in a hunter. And that That's, so That's so true. That's so true different space to be in so uh it's going to be really interesting but this western conference is really really good uh i think it's i think it's going to be an interesting nba because i think i think when's the last time that i think simultaneously the eastern conference and the western conference uh, were both really good conferences i yep. think this year is going to be the first year in a while that we say that i strong agree and it's a trend with all the nba and one of the weird things is going to be to see which team's sort of jump ship earliest for Victor W because mm. I do think there's going to be a few teams that look around and think can we push for the six or do we drop for a top four I, it, first teams to blink might have an advantage there and he might be worth it I don't know um, we'll find out Tony though I appreciate you taking some time man this was really really good I, I appreciate it um, anything you want to promote on your way out nah man just keep following uh, my Twitter for, <laughs> for interesting and engaging conversation there you go. You're a Bones fan, it sounds like. I heard it in your voice. Are you a big Bones fan? I, I'm a big Bones fan of his scoring and, and, and how aggressive he is. Yeah. Uh, um, I really want to see uh, him mature a little bit. Uh, and I really want to see him start uh, doing some of the other things uh, that don't involve scoring. But right. in terms of being an on-ball offensive creator he's 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 off to a really really good start in this league he is tony jones of the athletic uh thank you so much man have a great one appreciate you thanks bro. i appreciate you guys thanks for having me you bet all right let's take a break on the other side though we'll get to a couple <clears throat> more mailbag questions and tie a bow on today's episode if you know about rugby then you probably know and if you don't know then you should know that Glendale, Colorado is Rugby Town, USA. It's a thriving culture. It's a beautiful stadium. And they house the American Raptors, a rugby club composed of crossover athletes. They were already tested in other sports and successful in other sports. And now they wanted to put themselves to a new challenge. And that's rugby. They went five and five in their first season. Not bad for some athletes that are new to the game. They want you to come out and check them out in this upcoming season. And what's the best part about hitting up an American Raptors game? They are free. Head over to AmericanRaptors.com and grab your ticket for the upcoming season. If you can't make a game, AmericanRaptors.com will also be streaming them on their website 
And if you fall in love, if you're already in love with the sport of rugby, you got to check out the DNVR Rugby Podcast weekly pod hosted by the homie Colton Strickler. He lays it out for the layman's. He gets into the weeds for the lifers. He's really good at his job. So check out the DNVR Rugby Podcast. Is that it? That's it. All right. Um, oh, wait, no. I completely skipped the second read. It didn't sound like Yeah, it's it all right. Me. Sorry, it's my first time doing the show. I literally use my athletic greens every morning, had them this morning, and I hit up Caitlin and I said, look, we're going on a trip and I'm just going to need you to make sure I have as many travel packs as I need. It's my favorite way to start the day. 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food, source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. <clears throat> One scoop, 12 ounces of cold water, and I feel like I've started my day the right way. It's all uh, uphill, downhill from there. Don't know what it would be in this context. Just uh, check out Athletic Greens by going to athleticgreens.com slash nuggets. That's athleticgreens.com slash nuggets to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance today. So third segment here, third and final segment. Don't forget we are in Serbia. One week from today, we're going to be on a plane for like the 12th consecutive hour. Can't wait for that. Let's go, baby. Um, We also have the shirt, Kale. You can see the shirt there in the bottom here. Oh, actually, it's not there. There it is. Boom. Right there. Beautiful shirt that goes. Proceeds go to supporting this trip. I'm going to give you guys... We're going to talk more and more about this, but quick rundown. We arrive. We've got a tour. My guy, Goran, Goran, who runs a tour or has a tour company out there, he does professional guided tours. We're taking a tour of Belgrade. We're going to be at Beer Fest. We're going to have a meetup with people on Saturday. Uh, more details to come. So if you're in Belgrade or can get to Belgrade, Saturday, next Saturday, a week from this Saturday, we're going to be out there. We hope you come. Talk nuggets with us. Um, you can sign yourself up against us you can see how tall i am and how short some of the other people are on staff just you know don't be surprised when i'm short (laughs) that happens a lot i didn't say you no i'm just saying it comes up enough and yet somehow people go wow you're pretty small i'm like yeah i try to broadcast that you and me both brendan that's uh, i get it all the time like you're a lot shorter than i thought yeah like i'm not walking around on my tiptoes but uh we got some cool things we might be going to the red star playoff soccer game i don't know that would be really incredible uh on tuesday we're gonna be at the game on thursday nugget Jokic versus Giannis. did you see Giannis by the way in his first game yeah i did see that 30 points on 11 of 12 shooting in like 20 minutes yeah and like 12 rebounds 12 rebounds it's just insane uh that game should be absolutely incredible i can't wait for it um and some other things here in 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 between so that's kind of our itinerary and by the way some big time interviews going on uh throughout that whole process that we'll be sharing immediately with you on some of the interviews and then doing the documentary a little bit later on um right now as we were doing that ad read or maybe as while we're talking to tony jones the nba announced they are going to retire bill russell's number six league-wide League-wide. A couple things here. I mean, that's a cool gesture. Bill Russell, an incredibly important person. One of, certainly on a short list of most important people in the history of the NBA. Like when you tell it. when you Especially if you limit it to just players. I think Michael Jordan's probably the most important. Magic Johnson, Larry Bird together. David Stern, certainly there. You go back even further to some of the key pieces. Bill Russell, though, is going to be on a short list that I think is really, really close there. So it's kind of a cool gesture um, to the to the man and to the basketball player that the number six. A couple players, though. LeBron James wears number six. They will be grandfathered in. They're sure grandfathered is. in. They're grandfathered in. So you'll have a little, like, if you have it now, shouts also to Zylan Cheatham, former Nugget. That's he right. Also grandfathered Zylan, in. you should probably change it. <laughs> you could probably just do it. Uh, also, shout out to Bryn Forbes. Keep it, Bryn. <laughs> Bryn Forbes will be one of the last remaining number sixes. Uh, and then Rajon Tucker, another former Nugget. Rajon Tucker. Oh, um, that's right. <laughs> these aren't real Nuggets. 
but they they those guys all have it. Um, some of the other names: Kenyon Martin Jr., Chris Tapps, Porzingis. What a bummer! He should change. he should definitely change it. He definitely does not deserve special special treatment. I think LeBron should change it. I think it'd be a sick PR move. He's not going to do it though. But could sell even more jerseys. That's what I'm saying. Would he go to 23? Is 23 retired in LA? Is that the deal? I don't know. He can't go. He can't do that. It's weird. You know what's weird is I think of Kobe as 8 and 24, and it's like he was both 50-50, first half, second half. With LeBron, I don't. What do you think of him as? I don't. Uh, like, like, I see what you're saying. As a num- I don't think of him as a number. Yeah. Like, I don't think of him as 23. I don't think of him as 6. That's a good point. For, like, but he did, and I kind of forgot that he had done this. Mm-hmm. So, a weird thing. Uh, like, if you wear 23, you're Michael Jordan. If you see somebody out wearing, like, just a number 23 yeah, mesh Michael, jersey, you're like, Jordan. that's Michael Jordan. That's if Michael you see where someone wearing number 6... I think it's Dr. J. It's Kristaps Porzingis. It's Kristaps Rajon Tucker, man. Are you kidding me? Um, All right. What else do we have here? Some more mailbag questions from the other days. Steven asked me, in light of the recent KD news, (laughs) I have a haters ball question. No Eric here today, but we can still do the haters ball. What has been the most satisfying collapse or failure of another team? (laughs) This list cracks me. Examples, you know, of course. So I made my own personal list, and I'm not going to lie. I think the most fun, like... Not the best feeling I've had, but the most fun I've had with the collapse came last year with the Phoenix Suns. Their collapse, when we actually invented the haters ball, yeah, <laughs> when we just invented it after watching it, was one of my favorites, you know, favorite things we've ever done. And it was fun because of how smug and cocky they were. It was fun because in the lead up to it, was it Stephen A that said, not Luca, Devin Booker will be the best player in game seven on the court. And it was like laughably wrong. Uh, it was fun because the whole league celebrated it's the haters. It's so true. Ball. It's so rare that a no whole one, league... no one said, "Hey, leave Phoenix alone." Not one person. It, it, I had no idea they were hated that as much as we hate them. So they're like a more recent one. The Lakers, twenty twenty two. This last year was pretty. Watching LeBron sit out games down the stretch was kind of like it. Actually, was so satisfying, as in it was like. There's nobody like everybody just kind of saw like oh my god this team doesn't even want it like right. it's so rare that you see a super team literally quit right and that's what we saw in that one uh, Lakers 2021 the year before that was also pretty delicious the only thing about them was the injuries like they might have beat the Phoenix Suns man they might have be- they were they were in the what was it two games to one or something when everybody goes down like they were kind of in it. Um, and then they get hurt. That's the only thing that takes it away. But the fact that they had to do it the ugly route, going through the play-in, mm. wasn't it a double play-in? They had to, weren't they like the nine seed or something? That was pretty great. Uh, Lakers 2011 was pretty great. Lakers. This was the Andrew Bynum takes out. Was it JJ Berea? Like this was they were so pathetic the way they went out. Or was it actually no? This that was 2011. What was the year? No, it was 2012 or 13 with Dwight Howard. That this is going to be fun, Lakers. That team was also another like great yep. failure. Yep. Lakers 2004. <laughs> Here's the thing about the Lakers. When you actually go through their history, they should have won more. This is what's so annoying. <laughs> I'm dead serious. They had a season with prime Kobe, prime Shaq. They had Gary Payton and Carl Malone. They had all those guys, and they lost still. They're actually a losing franchise. They're actually a losing franchise that just has the deck stacked for them. They should have actually lost more, so there's a lot of Lakers. 2004 was a good one. Um, the Nets, obviously, last year's Nets were one of my favorites. One of my favorites as well. Getting swept. I hope. I hope it's the poster event for 
the the turning of the tides to the new era of the NBA. Where if we're right, if we're right about the way some of the way these young stars want to do it. The thing about the Nets is that it's been a drawn out collapse, and now I have to sit here and listen to these KD reports, yeah, and he wants true. to go. By the way, he wants to go to the Seventy Sixers. Oh yeah, that'll make him likable. The, the lamest. I mean, of course he does. He wants to go back with James Harden. And Joel Embiid. You know what? What are we doing here? KD Do might... Do it. Is I don't KD, whatever. I've gone back and forth on KD so many times, but I think I'm firmly against KD at this point. <laughs> I don't know if there's any salvage for me. He might be funny online again. Um, the Rockets in 2018 when they couldn't hit any threes. When, <laughs> when, when their math didn't check out. And I should have been rooting for them, but I was rooting against them. It's so true. Like The Warriors are so lucky that they went up against unlikable oh, teams oh along the way. Like it's so true. If the KD era Warriors were going up, obviously, against the Nuggets and against some of these other like more lovable teams, it might have been insufferable. Um, the Heat in 2011, I hated it at the time. Because like the I, you know there were teams that I did, I disliked not Dallas necessarily but like the Celtics and like some of these other teams out east that I h- hated more so I was more pro. Um, but in hindsight, I'm glad that they all got humbled in the way that they did. I'm glad that played out exactly good, the way it played. Good for hoop and like the Dirk moment is awesome and very easily could be some. It won't, but some version of the way we rooted for Jokic, like right. it's easy to graft it on. So. Um, so those were some of the ones that I've enjoyed. Are there any other ones that you've enjoyed that it's like, wow, that didn't work out? Oh, you hit them. Every year the Celtics don't win the titles up there for me. (laughs) I liked, uh, I mean, a part of me does enjoy like Nurkic was so embraced by Portland the, the, the one way that year that kind of and then the way that it's kind of just fizzled out until like now people are trying to tra- you saw Danny Morango a couple months back was like trying to trade him for Aiton and Nurkic found it yeah <laughs> it was like it was like a total like yeah even they don't love you Nurk get on yeah. board here um so those are some of mine Daniel Snyder or Cider asks or Sitter maybe what would have to happen for Jack White to jump Zeke in the rotation now I like this question because first of all Jack White would have to jump I think more than just Zeke Zeke Naji to get into the rotation but what it's really asking here is, what is the doomsday scenario for Zeke? I almost don't think it's possible because I just think Zeke is too Playable. useful. But there yeah. is a scenario where he's not making shots and maybe he's out of position on top of there or this or that. But if he's not making shots, his value goes down a ton. And if he's not making shots for an extended period of time, it's a disaster scenario because Zeke has value to the Nuggets as a player and as a trade asset. And if he ruins right. both of those and right. he's just a guy that like nobody wants and you can't play and it's so bad that Jack White has leapfrogged him, then you, I think it's actually a sneaky, darkest timeline scenario for the Nuggets. Agreed. But I'm with you in that. I would say it probably would have to be injury. I just don't foresee that for Me Zeke. Me neither. He's playable. Here's the bottom line with Zeke. On the NBA floor, it's been pretty good. I know. It's so true. Jack White, by the way, what would it take? Like, is there a scenario where Jack White is just a better fit or player? I don't think so. Jack White did a lot of like hustly things in summer league. And I thought he was very good at those things. I don't know that he's a guy that you invest. Like Jack White to me is a guy that you're going to, it's like almost like Dave on Reed. You're maybe even a more reliable Dave on Reed. You're cramping my space, dude. I can't, I don't know what to tell you. Your space is bigger. My space is big, but you're taking up a lot of space for a guy, you know, 60, 40 here is how it should be. Um, Jack White. I don't know that like, is he going to dominate the G league and get his chance? I don't think so. Tory Craig dominated the G league and did not get his chance that first year. I can't picture a scenario where Jack White is shooting like 50% on 10 threes a game and they're like we got to bring this guy up because we know he can defend and rebound and hustle but now he's a can't miss shooter so we have to play him I just don't see that scenario so the only scenario is a Zeke disaster scenario and I don't see that happening knock on wood 
Last one. Oh, that was the last one. Wait, what's yours? What's your long flight? So do you sleep on planes? Dude, look at me. I can't. Like, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I have a hard time. <laughs> I have a really hard time. So the, one of the tough things about our trip is it leaves, you know, we're leaving super early in the morning and we arrive super early in the morning. So we have a 24-hour period where the best thing we could do is F up our sleep schedule so that we're on Serbia time as quickly, acclimated as quickly as possible. To do that, I have to sleep. I hope I'm sitting next to you or Kale mm, for the 60-40 rule. Yeah, yeah, the 60-40 rule. Yeah, yeah, you guys all hope you're not. If I'm sitting next to a stranger, my, my strategy is to like, I'm trying to try to take an Ambien and pass out so bad that I drool all over everyone <laughs> and don't care. <laughs> do you want to watch Con Air together though? Dude, I'd watch Con Air. Let's do it. I'll I love, download it. I love Con Air on ironically. Yeah, I love too. it ironically Come on. too. Yeah. Hard to say which one I like it more. but <laughs> I, I can't tell. Oh, flight. All right, everybody. That does it for today. Thanks so much for tuning in. Friday shows tomorrow should be a great one. And then we have some guests lined up for next week that are going to be very exciting in the lead up to our trip to Serbia. I cannot wait. Don't forget, we have a tailgate tomorrow for the Broncos game. Is it a preseason game that doesn't matter? Yes. Is it an excuse for us all to get together and play some bags? Absolutely. And eat some sliders. So check that out. The DMVR tailgate. Hope to see you out there. See you guys.